0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 181 of the stacy West podcast. I am your host, Ben, back after uh, an enforced break, shall we say. And uh, this week, I'm joined by Jake. Are you well? Oh mate, living the dream, always. How are you? I'm better than I was last week, I'll say that much. Um, and I'm also, you know, we're not just having a, we're not just the two of us this week, uh, I'm also joined by Chris. How are you mate, you right?
3: Hello again. Yeah, very good, thank you. You're making um,
0: more appearances than Liam at this point. It's, uh...
3: <laughs> making more appearances than Liam Brickwood did for us last year as well.
0: Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Oh dear. So yeah, are you well? You, are you all good? Very well indeed, thank you mate. Yeah, all good. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I think it was it used to be me and Jake last week, um, but uh, I, I managed to to get the slightly less serious C word and was uh, was uh, in bed for most of the week last week. So uh, yeah, still reeling from it a little bit, but you know we're all good now, and uh, we're here to talk about Lincoln City as we always do. Um, but it might be a short one this week, mainly because we've not got a game to look back on um, from, from Saturday. And I think, really, um, I was going to say looking at the Doncaster game, but I, I don't think we even need to talk about that because that was before the podcast last week, wasn't it?
3: So Yeah, we, me and Gus touched on it. We didn't go into a huge amount of detail. I don't think there was any need to, really, wasn't no, there? Absolutely right. The less said, the better, I think. Yeah. So, um,
0: so I mean, one, what we're going to do... Um, to kind of top up the news, it's all. It has been a relatively quiet week in terms of news as well. Um, so we're just going to kind of touch on something that's sort of hit the national media um, over the, the past couple of weeks, and it's um, it seems to be that there is a, a well, there was a lot of talk about the fan-led review into um, football governance and you know potential regulation and, and the, re- the results coming from that a while ago. Um and it seems like it's been kind of pushed to the side and <coughs> excuse me. And sort of um almost sort of the, the news is sort of that they're just gonna ignore it and, and not bother to actually implement anything. Um and that seems to be a little bit dangerous um particularly for fans of lower league clubs. Um, and I don't think people really quite understand the, the danger that this poses, um, at least in this, in, you know, in the longer term, uh, in the immediate, you know, in the immediacy, there's not necessarily going to be a, a problem, but where it does start to impact things is going to be in 2024 when, um, new, uh, when the, the TV rights are all up for renewal and everything. So, um, Full disclosure, obviously Chris is on the supporters board, so he was able to, you know, th- there's a conversation that's had there. So I'll hand over to Chris and, and let him kind of bring in some of the concerns that we have.
3: Yeah, well it was just it was mentioned um on the supporters <coughs> board meeting um on Tuesday night. Um yeah, I'm f- fortunate enough um, and privileged to be to be part of that. Um and one thing that was mentioned is Uh, Well, the importance of it, really, and how very, very recently in the last couple of weeks, the government um, let out a small leak, basically stating that they're going through a a, a kind of a stage of deregulation in, in the whole country at the moment. And it would look a bit silly from their perspective for them to bring in extra regulations in football. And it was really worrying that it didn't quite get the traction and the worry, as maybe it should do, Mm-hmm. um and a lot of people just and myself included wasn't uh, as aware as maybe I should be as to quite how serious it could be so just to you know, I don't want to spend a huge amount of time on this but I just want to let everyone know the importance of it and what it is how it could affect our club and the whole pyramid really so it was brought in um as a measure immediately after the in the aftermath of the super league debacle mm-hmm. um So Tracy Crouch kind of led the review. It went on for for quite uh, quite a few months and then the results were published a few months ago. Um, The aim of it really was to ensure the long-term sustainability of football in England, Um, looking at kind of financial states, um, kind of sustainability, making sure that there's a new owners and directors test to make sure they're getting the right owners and directors in. The idea being trying to make sure there's a fairer trickle down of um, finance from the Premier League, um, meaning that. EFL clubs aren't just losing money every single season. Um, tighter controls on wages, structures, and those sort of things. Um, also, things along the lines about having a shadow board, which we kind of already have in the supporters board, a golden share, meaning that clubs can't just be moved from one town to another, uh MK Dons um, have to maintain um, kind of the... Uh, credibility of their crest, their name, their colours, the location, that sort of thing. So it's kind of protecting the long-term sustainability of the club. And the overriding feature of this was the implementation of an independent regulator for football known as IREF. Um, and this was the this was the big news. This was the big thing. Um, and the idea is this was all going to be implemented after the 23-24 season, before the 24-25 season. So implemented in that 2024 summer. And... Um, And what we was kind of told and what we was kind of given information of is that almost every sponsorship, almost every media agreement, kit deal, everything you can imagine that goes on at a football club in terms of income expires in 2024 um, due to the fact that this is meant to be brought in and football is meant to be saved, I suppose, in in an ideal situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So most clubs are kind of committed to losing money for the next couple of seasons in the in the expectation that it's going to be a lot more sustainable coming twenty twenty four, and if that is no longer the case, what the likely outcome of that is a lot of clubs being put up for sale, and a lot of clubs potentially ending up um, out of business. It is that serious. Um, so, what what can we do? Really, is kind of the question that was that was kind of posed. Um, you know, what we need is a super league style reaction, and it wasn't. It, it didn't get one. I think when the news broke, there was also a Premier League sacking on the same day, and then that just took all the headlines, you know, and it just kind of got buried under the news. And basically, it didn't create a big enough stink for the government to take notice and think, hang on, we're going to get battered for doing this, we'd better not do it. Um, So we just need to make sure it's noticed that as many football fans in the country as possible want the reform, want the long-term sustainability of football to be secure. Um, There's a petition that we can sign, but the more out of it, and more of it is about just word of mouth just making sure that your mates know making sure that everyone that's a football fan understands what it's about understands the um importance of it um just to kind of create a bit more a bit more awareness just one thing to to, to touch on as well is there's only one season that i can remember in living memory where um there was a level of Um, kind of equality and that was the season that we got in the playoff final and almost got to the championship so from a Lincoln City fans perspective this is huge for us it will give us a potential um, way of of competing with those bigger clubs at this level as well on a financial on a financial footing without having to kind of just gamble and and throw money at it which we're not going to do so yeah I've realised I've just kind of gone on a bit of a monologue there about it all, but um, that was kind of what we discussed in the supporters board meeting, and we just wanted to create awareness of it, really. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to share the link somewhere on the podcast, maybe um, yep, description so I'll, or something.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the podcast description, and I'm sure I think Gaz has already tweeted about it. And Yeah,
3: perfect. And stuff, but, um, just share, 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 people. Um, that's what it's all about, really.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the, the key thing that you've said there, and obviously one of the things that a lot of people have been sort of up in arms about over the past few years has been, you know, what happened at Bury, what happened at Derby, you know, they, they nearly went to the wall. Um, What happened at so many other clubs where people come in and, excuse me, people come in and um, they, they just asset strip the club and, you know, leave it for dead. And it's like, it's that level of, of seriousness that we're looking at here with the with the owner's test alone like the fit and proper person's test as it stands is an absolute joke it's not it it isn't right and you know ironically not fit for purpose but it's absolutely you know it's that it's that part of it alone is is a massive thing but obviously then you you know you say about like the the money coming down from the premier league and all the rest of it it's just it, it this kind of needs to happen and i mean i I, i'm like you i fully I, I saw that initial thing about it potentially not coming in and, and I, I was just sort of thinking oh well it's, there's just a delay on it that'll be all right then and mm-hmm. we'll be you know we can have a conversation about it later on and you know i've been speaking to to rob bradley about stuff as well because he's involved with it as, um on on the the trust side so it's it it didn't yeah like you say it didn't create the, the noise it needed to um in the media so i think um you know, the the conversation that we had was very much a case of, you know, we, we should probably mention this on the podcast and, and yeah. get some uh, get some ears and eyes on it. So if you haven't seen it, um, check out, you know, check the, the Stacey West Twitter feed, check out the podcast description and check out what uh, Gaz has undoubtedly written um, in the, on the site about it as well. Um, and get it signed, get the petition signed, get the petition shared. Because, um, you know, a while ago we had um, uh, Connor from 617 on the podcast and he was, you know, they were talking about their, their um, shed light on the plight of English football campaign that they, they'd launched as well, um, which kind of was, it, it was kind of um, in reaction to some of this as well, um, particularly, you know, with the, the Super League that came, you know, the Super League idea that came about. Yeah,
3: and, and it's all we had, were massively linked to this. It yeah. was, it was. Yeah, it's, it's all comes from the same, from the same, uh, kind of the same area. Um, mm. Just quickly, sorry on, on the signatures before we moved away from the um, away from the petition. Is I've checked earlier. There's just over thirty thousand signatures on there at the moment, and okay. I think there needs to be thirty five thousand for it to be discussed in Parliament. So right. if we can get that, signs, everyone signs it, everyone tells their friends about it, then hopefully. We can, we can force it through and when it still will, it will happen in 2024. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you know, political
0: ideologies and all the differences and everything else put aside, this is incredibly important for, you know, for lower league clubs especially and, you know, at the, at the bottom end of the pyramid. And I think that the important thing to remember is that in the current England squad, I think they said that, I think of the 20 28, I think it was, I think 26 had played in the EFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're potentially going to lose that if, you know, if clubs start to, to go under and the pyramid gets smaller and smaller. So. Great, <coughs>
3: great stat that by the way. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, it. it's something like that. I'm not a hundred percent on that. So.
3: It, it is, it is a, a, a vast majority. I remember reading it yeah. somewhere, but yeah, it's absolutely right. You know, it's so <laughs> important. So, and if you're not sure about it, you haven't heard of it, if this is the first you've heard of it, spend five minutes reading about it because mm-hmm. it's, I didn't realise, you know, and I like to think I understand football a bit. I didn't realise quite as important as it was until it was discussed on, on Tuesday evening. So um, yeah, just educate yourself guys and spend five minutes. It does directly affect Lincoln City. So.
0: 100%. There so, we go. Um, so we go. That's the the sort of serious, uh, serious talk out of the way. Let's talk about bums and willies. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you did call it a threesome Ben earlier. <laughs> I did. I did say, you know, that that uh, when we were organizing the plans for the podcast tonight I said, you know, should we make it a a cheeky threesome and uh, that's what you've got. Um but uh yeah, I mean like I said the, there hasn't been a huge amount of, of imp's news this week. Um the the one that sort of slipped under the radar initially was um to do with the academy head. We've got a new academy head at uh, Lincoln City. Uh, his name is John Pepper. And um, certainly seems like a bit of a coup. Um, you know, coming in, uh, having been part of the setup at Burnley, um, you know, obviously grew the academy there to, to provide some players through to, to the first team. Um, and uh, interestingly, was the first reaction that I saw from it was uh, in our group chat where Chris said, oh, I have him as my as my academy manager on Football Manager. Yeah,
3: that was weird. I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of him before I played Football Manager. This isn't for Lincoln City either. This is in Latvia with Riga FC as well. It's very, very odd. Okay. Awesome. So uh, yeah, I just and he happened to be very, very good on the game and I signed him and that was all I knew. Um, but since looking into it, obviously since then a little bit more, it does seem like a huge, a huge kind of a coup <clears> for the club really. Um like you said, his his main achievements were um, at at Burnley. Um, so in four years in Burnley, um, under his guidance, they went from a third tier academy to a top tier academy. And there are a hell of a lot of hoops to jump through to to go up one tier, let alone two. Um, so I imagine Burnley obviously invested a fair amount into that. But credit where credit is due, that's um, you know that's that's really that's really huge, really for them. Um, mm. for any club to go up to categories is massive and and for us to kind of attract someone of that calibre to the club i think it went under the radar a little bit to be honest mm. absolutely i mean jake if it was it um, was it something
0: that you picked up on i know we we've obviously had two relatively big coups now under mark kennedy we obviously had um you know mike Garrity come in and now we've got uh, john pepper coming in, in the academy side as well so two Two names that on the surface you look at it and go, oh, okay. And then when you actually do a little bit of further looking into it, you go, oh, wow, okay, yeah, decent names. Yeah,
4: yeah, not to forget Ross Burberry as well, who, of <coughs> course, up yeah, up as well, came in from Rotherham. Um, yeah, t- to be honest, when, when you think about how important the academy is at this football club and, and for players, you know, to produce players for three for essentially and mm. to go on and, and make a profit for the long term, of the football future of the football club is going to be absolutely massive. You know, we've got you know just had the news this week of, of Freddie Draper signing a new deal, which is fantastic proof that the academy is working. You know, Ocean Gallagher making first team appearances from the bench, uh, Joe Von. The list goes on, doesn't it? And it's at almost every fan forum. I know we got asked at the at the podcast that we did with Mark and, and Liam and Jez that people are really interested in having Lincoln lads playing for Lincoln City, and mm-hmm. I think the move to bring someone of John Pepper's quality in is to be able to get these lads from Lincoln up to the standard of a, of a maybe a League One Championship sort of side and impact the, impact the team and, you know obviously it's it's a bit of a coup like we've had and it's just one of those those things isn't it it's a new face in the building it will take him a bit of time to get his feet under the table like Mark said um, when we interviewed him but there was a lot of new staff kicking around and it, it takes time so um, you know, you can't be expecting John Pepper to come in straight away and the academy sides to start playing like FC Barcelona and, and things like that. But um, I imagine this is something in the next five, maybe you know, three to five years, we might start seeing a few more of the academy lads coming through into the first team or, or you know, maybe going out on loan because I mean, people moan that Freddie Draper is not a Lincoln lad. They moan that Sean Rowan Ocean Gallagher are from Lincoln. So I think it's a step in the right direction for, for those sorts of people that want, local lads to be playing for for Lincoln because um, it's been a while hasn't it since we've had someone from Lincoln mm. maybe Charles Vernon is probably one that was born in Lincoln that well around that area that's represented the club but to come through the academy all the way through Alice Chapman was one wasn't he but he had a little spell at Leicester so yeah good good move I mean obviously uh, I assume on, on football manager Chris he was t- you were talking like 18s and 19s for stats which We'll yeah,
3: I, I'm actually. You might have seen my thinking face here while we're recording this. I'm just, I'm just logging into the database to try and find out exactly what he is. I'm not there yet, because <laughs> um, I seem to remember when I when I checked, he he's also. Ha- I could be completely bark at the wrong tree here. So just bear me a second while I check it. Um, but I believe he's also had experience abroad as well. Um, hmm. And what's interesting for me is that Mike Garrity also had experience abroad in scandinavia i think so i don't know if there was kind of they knew each other from there or if it is just we are actively looking for people who have got a real kind of broad range of Mm. um kind of coaching history i suppose Uh, i can't Mm. find it i'm afraid um so i might be completely wrong there but i i think he did
0: yeah i mean it's it's definitely
3: a it's definitely an interesting one because at the minute you know
0: like you say we've sort of had this you've had the feeling that the Academy has been there in the background and you know, obviously it kind of went away during the, the the non-league exodus. And since it's been back, I think there's some people maybe being a little bit impatient in wanting players to come in and, you know, kind of going, I've definitely seen some people saying that, you know, well, an 18 year old can play for a premier league side. Why can't they play for Lincoln city? It's like, it's not, it's never quite as straightforward or as easy as that. Um, but what's definitely happening is, there's you know there's obviously a lot of movement that's that's happening with the academy, and I think it's uh, every move that happens is is a good one at the minute. Um, and you know, speaking to um, speaking to Jez and speaking to Mark and speaking to Liam at the uh, the podcast, as as Jake mentioned, the conversations that we had there, they said it it isn't necessarily about getting exclusively Lincoln lads in and and. You know going to the local schools and picking lads from there and developing them. it's kind of about a bit of a catchment area and and bringing in the talented youth at, at any level essentially and bringing them through the academy so they're Lincoln City players first and foremost you know from from their early stages of development, which I understand that some people might be disappointed with the way that was you know that that, that, that could be put forward. Um, but ultimately you know if we're bringing through quality players, Regardless of where they're from, and they are Lincoln City players from day one. I think you're going to be doing the right thing, and it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like John has, has um, done that at Burnley, and hopefully looks to continue his success at Lincoln. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think on that on that Ben, that's really that's a really interesting point, a really good point to make about the kind of what we class as a local player, what we class as a homegrown player. Mm. That, of course, we want to see Lincoln lads coming through the academy, but the, the better the academy is. The the better players that the Lincoln lads are going to be playing with, the better coaching they're going to be getting, and they have more chance of getting into the team. But Mm. also, Lincoln is only a certain size and it's a long way to to anywhere else. You know, we haven't, it's not like we're in London. Um, So if we just span you know, spread our wings that little bit further and we have an academy that is really attractive, that has mm. a real, I'm going to use that word again, my nickname, but has a real definite <laughs> pathway um, for um, for young players to kind of come through into the first team. This is players that we haven't had to, you know, buy. These are players that potentially can go on to earn the club thousands, millions, potentially pounds in the future. This mm. is the sustainable way of building a football club. And mm. Sean Rowan might be from Ireland, but he's been at Lincoln City since he was 16 years old. He's a Lincoln City lad. He hasn't played for another professional football club. You know he's a Lincoln City footballer, and he's he's in our first team now, playing week in week out, and we want to celebrate that just as much as um, as, as a Sam Klukas that might have come through, or a, or a Danny mm-hmm. Howe that might have come through, or Jack Hobson that might have come through. So um, I completely agree with you. It's what the academy is is doing sounds fantastic, and I think we're just starting to see the the beginning of kind of the benefits of that. You know, Sam Long's come through, and he's. Not clearly can't be too far away from being our number one goalkeeper. Freddie Draper has had some first-team experience. Um, Oshin Gallagher seems to be in the squad every single game at the moment. So, mm-hmm. And not obviously mentioned Sean Rowan. So we've got a, a, a talented group of players that have been here three or four years now. Um, and if that conveyor belt can continue, we're going to be in a really strong place as a football club.
0: 100%. So, uh, yeah, exciting times. And uh, we've got somebody in that... that sort of been there and done it and worn the t-shirt and uh, I said, and hopefully um, help improve the Lincoln city Academy. So um, right from some, uh, from some good news to some slightly irritating news. Um, I think we all knew that it was potentially coming after he we went off um, last weekend, but uh, yeah, it sounds like Ted Bishop is out for a while. Mm. Um is yeah. the is the only news at the moment um the hope and glory podcast i believe is probably out as we're recording this or we'll be out as we're recording this so um the only quote that we've seen so far is is from radio lincolnshire's tweet uh which says that ted bishop is set to be out for a while after the uh, he, he took a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a fall against derby um Massive blow, is it, Jake?
4: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, you only have to look at the <coughs> the recent games against Fleetwood and, and Barnsley and then in the Papa John's where Teddy was really influential in both of those games in positions that weren't arguably his own. Um, I, I think Teddy is, is probably one of our... our I, I don't think we have a Teddy, the <coughs> footballer in, in the building than Teddy Bishop in terms of the way that he can... With The ball at his feet, his passing range, I, I don't think we have anyone better at the football club than Teddy Bishop at, at those roles. So to lose a player for you know, whatever it is, it looks like it's going to be a considerable amount of time. We're going to be disadvantaged, aren't we? Um, the only sort of positive that you can take out of news like this is that it gives other players an opportunity um so you've got the likes of Davenport who who, who played on on Tuesday against Doncaster he might be able to slip into midfield and you let someone like Max Sanders or Tasham Oakley Booth um play a little bit further forward I think Tasham in the 10 where Teddy has played is probably better than than where he is as an eight um but but no to lose a player of Teddy's quality is really damning um but you never know because because you we know, might even have Danny Mandra, if he if he even exists he might he might be able to come back and play into the <laughs> in team so um, obviously disappointed aren't you to for, for, because Teddy has been a really good performer this year he's not only scored goals he's made things happen just his ability to, to change pace and go past three or four players in the space of about five or six seconds is quite astonishing so. I imagine Mark is pretty upset that, that he's injured, but um, like I say, it, it might just give someone else an opportunity to, to to sort of raise Teddy's levels even when it comes back from injury. So not all doom and gloom, Ben. Can't can't be when well, no, well, it's just me, and me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that he managed to, to find a positive spin for it. That's usually Gaz's job. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, Chris, what's you, obviously you know, yeah, we can
3: disagree with what Jake said. No, he was one hundred percent right, Jake. Um, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right in saying that he was really influential and was really impressive in roles that aren't his natural position. When he's playing in those two wide areas, he's got, mm-hmm. he's got he's got four goals in two games, didn't he? From playing out wide, yeah. Um, um, I think he scored two at Cheltenham from right back, didn't he? Yeah. Last Absolutely. season he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was that was, that was mental though. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it, his versatility has been probably his biggest downfall at Lincoln. But I think we were all excited when we finally got some wingers fit. We signed Jack Diamond. Jordan Garrett was in the team. Um, we thought, oh, brilliant. Tate can actually play in his strongest position. If he's been that influential out wide, imagine what he can do centrally. Yeah. And then it's just such a shame. I'll be honest, yeah. I I, did, I feared the worst when he went down. Uh, one yeah. of my friends actually texted me earlier saying, didn't realise it was that bad with Tate. With and well, none of us knew, obviously, but it's because it, it wasn't from, like, from a tackle. You know, sometimes those impact injuries they saw, and you have to go off for that for that game, but then you recover in a week or two because, you, you know, it's just a you know a bruised yeah. ankle or something. But it was just innocuous, wasn't it? He went down kind of un, unopposed, and you think, yeah. oh, something's, something's gone ping or something's gone pop here, and that's a bad sign. I and think that was the thing. Boy- like, as
0: soon as you saw it, you could see him, like, stretching, and you could just see the, the, the pain on his face. You thought, oh, yeah, that's, you can see that's he was-
3: not good. Absolutely gutted. You can see on his face, yeah. he was just absolutely gutted. Um, I think what I suppose the positive there is that it just shows how much it means to him, which we like to see mm. from a fan's perspective. You know, he was obviously gutted, um, and obviously I'm sure we all wish him a speedy recovery. I suppose the, the silver lining here is we are actually quite well stocked in midfield. As much as he's probably our best player at what he does, we do have um, good footballers in that position. Um, so Tashan is the one, Jake, you mentioned, that could probably fill in that role m- most similarly. And I think he's actually improved quite a bit over the last few games as well. So Tashan does excite me. Um, not to see him both in the same team, obviously, but mm-hmm. there is that. And he mentioned Danny Mandrew, Oh, Mark Kane only mentioned he sees more as a wide player, but me and Gaz mentioned last week that, you know, in terms of how we play, wouldn't be surprised to see him end up playing more centrally as well. So we're, we're well stocked in that area, um, mm-hmm. but it's a massive shame. It's a huge shame because he was... We knew he was a good player last season, but I think what we've seen this season is how influential he can be. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and it's uh, yeah, obviously going to be a huge miss. Um, But there is that, like you say, there is that backup in the uh, in the midfield. And personally, I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see if if Danny Mandrew can come in and, and slot into that role because there's not going to be much more of a chance to make yourself a hero than come in and, you know, playing a role, playing a number 10 role and, and uh, outshine Teddy Bishop, essentially, is there for, you know, to really get all the fans on side after not starting for a good couple of months with your new club. So, um, yeah, Jake's just knocked something over and has got his, uh, I didn't do it face on. Um, but uh, no, I, you know, Obviously, you know, hope for the best for Ted, and uh, we'll see what comes out in the media tomorrow um, or later on in the interview. But uh, definitely, doesn't sound great
4: at the minute. Up <clears throat> though, doesn't it? Because t- the thing with Teddy is, and when I spoke to Rich, Rich fans when we signed him, he he can be really good for maybe four, five, six games at a time, and then he does something and he gets injured, and he just doesn't get the look that other players get. Other players can. Can can get an injury and play through the pain, but it just looks like Teddy isn't one of those players with a high pain threshold. So he he has a bit of time on the sidelines, and everyone then goes, "Oh, Teddy, Teddy's made a glass," a bit like Joe Walsh is, and I think that's a little bit unfair. But um, given his injury record, it, it's not really surprising um, that he's it's out. No,
0: like- I mean, I, I think the other thing as well is that you, it's it's look more than anything else. Um, like you say, you had. I just don't understand what's happening over the past couple of seasons. Like, it's just been crazy um, with you know with the, the look we've had with injuries. Um, I mean, Touchwood at the minute we don't seem to be having too many problems at the back.
3: You've uh, been, said it now. <laughs> famous last words. Yeah, oh. but you know, have- I
0: think the thing is, last season we didn't have a settled back four. For, well, we didn't have a set back line at all, um, and I think that probably cost us quite a few games. But it, it seems like this season we're we're getting a bit of consistency in. Um, so who knows, you know? But you know, it's just going to be a, a tricky one, um, and we're going to have to, you know, try and do it without Ted for uh, at least a few weeks. So. <sighs> anyway um yeah, big sigh i think that's yeah, a i just job, can't i can't think of another way to to end that little segment um but we are uh, away at bolton on saturday uh, tomorrow as you're listening um interesting one uh, the the i'm just trying to find um you know so they're sitting sixth in the table having played a game fewer than uh, than barnsley who are above them um so, given the the form that they're in, you could probably say that they're almost almost fifth. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a an interesting one because they they've sort of taken Wickham apart in the you know um, in a few weeks back, and then since then we've had well, they've had two losses uh, and a draw, and everything else has uh has been in the W column. So not one that I'm overly confident about taking anything from but then I said that against uh, against derby so what do we reckon um I'll I'll uh, I'll come to Jake because you know I'm pretty sure he'll have spoken to a Barnsley, uh, Barnsley bolton fan already
4: I I've not spoken to a Barnsley fan but I've spoke to a bolton fan um yeah no um bolton are really interesting I think obviously they they've got Ian Ever at the helm who who came from from Barrow uh, or Barrow-DeLone or whatever they called themselves when they got promoted out of the National League, played some really good football. Um, obviously, he then got them promoted out of League 2 back into League 1. They had a, had a really good year last year, didn't they? I think they got something like 73 points in Skybet League 1, which stereotypically gets you in the playoffs, probably, or there yeah. or thereabouts. Um, but due to the quality of the, the top six, seven, eight teams in, in League 1 last year, they were, they were nowhere near. But, Um, The thing I like about Bolton is um, they're a group that's been together a while already. They um, they did a lot of business in the winter window of last season. So they brought in uh, Dion Charles from Atkinson. They brought Kieran Sadia from uh, Rotherham. Um, James Trafford came in the building as well at that point moment in time he'd been at Atkinson previously he was on loan from Man City and they've managed to get him back um, they lost Marlon Fossey who was a massive player for them I think he ended up at Rotherham um, and then they they signed Conor Bradley who's probably been the, the pick of the bunch for them so far this year a, a, a young lad that's on loan from Liverpool Northern Irish International I think he played for them the other night as well so look Bolton, Bolton like I said they've been together for a while they've got some really good players that are going to hurt us Um just to name a few. Dion Charles, Bakayoko scored against us last season, I think. Um, they deploy deployed three at the back formation, so they have pretty good ball playing centre-backs. I think Jack Iredale is certainly the left-sided centre-back. Um, Johnston as well, he's, he's decent. Then they've got the big man, Santos, that plays through the middle. So, look, they're really strong at home. Um, I think the last home game they played, they they, they beat Peterborough by a goal to nil. Um, from when I spoke to the, the Bolton man earlier today, Um he sort of said they were quite lucky in that game, but they have gone to quite a few decent sides. They've played a few teams towards the top end of the league. They've played uh, Sheffield Wednesday already. They've played um, Plymouth already. They were unfortunate in that game against Plymouth to, to get beat. So, no, it's going to be a really, really tough game um, obviously Ian Everett's been talking us up in the in the press hasn't he saying we play a little bit like Man <laughs> City, like Man City.
3: Um, that was very flattering <laughs> I
4: don't know what he's been watching you know having watched match of the day and then you go and watch Lincoln on a weekend it, it's quite different but um, <laughs> fair play to, if, if that's what he sees and we might have a chance on, on Saturday afternoon but yeah, difficult game because Bolton are stereotypically strong at home. They've got good supporters. There, there'll be quite a few of them there, I imagine, nearly 20,000. So, yeah, tough game. But given the run that we're on, given the fact we've just knocked past six, six past um, Bristol Rovers, also the fact that I think it was the game where the, the games that was postponed for the Queen, Mark Kennedy said that it was really beneficial to have so much longer on the training period. And you could see yeah. that in the Derby game, how much better we were from that defeat at Cambridge. I mean, not that it was easier to be any worse than that, but I think that the extra time that Mark's going to get um, with, the, with the players again, uh, you know, you're looking to get Danny Mandrew a bit closer, you're looking to get Max Sanders a bit closer. So, um, yeah, I, I I have a feeling we might go down there and do something, but nevertheless, it, it's a tough game. We got, we got unstuck there last year, didn't we? We got beat 3-1, so... Mm. Really, really tough game. I've gone for a bit, but the really, really tricky game. Bolton. Um, I think I've got them in the in the playoffs. Yeah, I haven't got them to finish fifth. So, yeah, difficult game. But you know, given the the run of run at the moment, and the fact that in this league, literally anyone can beat anybody. Um, you, you're never too sure, and, and there's all the odds that we could go there and uh, and get only one point behind them if we can manage to beat them. So, added incentive. Yeah. Well.
0: So I mean we'll we'll come to to Chris in just a sec but before we do um you spoke to a Bolton fan this
4: yeah. week? Yeah, Sorry. um Ian Crompton, he's a Bolton Wanderers fan living out in Russia has done for the last 14 years. Um he told me all about Bolton and what we can expect on Saturday afternoon. How would you assess sort of the first 9 10 games so far that you've played uh, this year?
5: not been too bad um yeah like you said we, we're six but i think we could um could have been a, a couple places higher uh we've we've actually already played the top two which is good to get those two uh, out of the way mm-hmm. straight away. so we played Ipswich on the first day of the season uh, we were a little bit lucky there to be fair we were probably lucky to take a point mm-hmm. against Ipswich, uh but we um we lost at plymouth uh that was a few weeks ago two nil um and that was our, one of our only two defeats this season and, and actually to be honest against Plymouth we we were pretty unlucky mm. um Ian Abbott said after the match that we should have got something out of that game and uh, he's usually obviously biased but we we definitely should uh, the other game that we've lost uh was Sheffield Wednesday at home and there was no complaints there they were the better mm. team and then we've had a couple of draws uh where that was disappointing so we we drew with Port Vale away uh, but we had uh, Ricardo Santos sent off after mm. about 30 minutes yeah. for a ridiculous two yellows. Um, and I'd like to have thought if it had stayed on and we would have kept 11 men on the pitch, we would have won that one. So that's what I'm thinking. We should have probably been at least two or three points uh, higher up the table. Uh, but yeah, not not a bad start, not too bad at all.
4: I think given the way that the top 4 to so to call them that you know the, the Ipswich the Plymouth the Pompey and the Wednesday I think okay. that almost looks set in stone for the, for the top 4 and I think it's any two of sort of 10 teams but I would highly suggest that Bolton probably will be in and around it um given yeah. the really good back end of last year as well um Ian Evert then um quite a, a Marmite figure in terms of management. Um, says a few things to the press, etc. Um, a bit like Joey Barton did a couple of weeks ago um, when we went to go and play Mr. Rovers. But what are your thoughts on Ian Ever? Because I know he's quite loud in terms of the, the media, like I said, but he seems to be delivering for you guys on the pitch, obviously got you promoted uh, and has made you, again, a real force at this level because last time you was in League One um, with the, you had to play the kids and you came to Central Bank and we, we yeah. turned you over 5-1. Ian Everett has looked to change the mentality of Bolton Wanderers to being back at the top sort of level at this uh, at this level, as in the top table.
5: Yeah, I, I really like him to be honest. I think he suits Bolton. Um, you know, he's, he did a fantastic job in in League One. We had a we had a, a rocky start, and a lot of people were questioning uh, him at the beginning. But uh, sorry, in League Two, uh, we absolutely uh, blew away most of uh, League Two after the first sort of. Um, 10, 10 games where we had a really bad start but uh, yeah, you, you're right, he's a Marmite character but he's he's very young, he's still learning his trade, he, I think he's uh, late 30s or if not, I don't even think he's turned 40 yet. Um, imposing character, I think the players respect him. Uh, yeah he gives the opposition uh bench a lot of stick uh, you'll see that on saturdays uh he, he will for sure be walking towards your bench giving them some stick and the fourth official some stick but uh, I think the crowd the crowd um react to that the crowd get behind Oops. him as well um oh, I think he's a really good manager I think he'll go on uh hopefully with bolton he'll take us into the championship and I can see him uh at some point be given a job um higher up the football pyramid.
0: And there we go. That was the preview there. So, uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for that. And um, hopefully, you know, we'll, uh, like I say, we we get a result. I mean, Chris, what do you reckon? Do you you think we can come away from Bolton
3: on Saturday with a result? I was quite pessimistic until I looked at the stats. Um, We're we're a lot more similar to Bolton than I thought we were, to be honest, in terms of performance. Now, our stats have been padded a little bit from scoring six goals against Bristol <laughs> Rovers, but in terms of um, goal average, goals scored almost identical, xG almost identical. Um, they do have more shots than us, but their shot their um, conversion is less. So in terms of shots on target, they're only one about one shot more on target per match than us. Um, Thirty ball well passes a game, but both over four hundred on average. Possession similar. Everything's very similar. Everything that's notable is very, very similar. Um, which should we should be looking into things in a bit more depth. Um, the, big, the, the biggest um, difference between the two teams, as Jake um, referred to, is that they um, kind of exclusively play with a back three. Um, and we exclusively don't. We, obviously, we, 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 we go to it sometimes to, to close a game out. But they, they play with uh, quite an attacking um mm-hmm. On Y Scout, it's primarily classed as a three-four-one two, which means you've got back three, two wing backs, two deeper midfielders with one like 10, and then in behind two mm. strikers. Um, and that's obviously going to match up, we expect, against our regular four, three, three. Now, there's some pros and some cons with that uh for us. So in terms of from, from a like a, a threat perspective, in terms of their threat to us, um, there's gonna be a lot of man for man um defending. So their two midfielders will be against our two eights. Their attacking midfielder will be directly on our DM, probably Sorensen. Um, and their two strikers will be against our two centre-backs. So we haven't got a spare man in that whole kind of middle of the pitch, which if we don't win those 50-50 battles, that's going to be a real, real problem for us, uh, which means our left-back and right-back will have to tuck in and be that spare man. Um, so they're going to be really, really important players for us. It's going to be, we expect Sean Rowan and TJ Ayoma. We don't know, but we expect that to be the case. Um They're going to have to have really big games for us to get anything out of it on on Saturday. Um, What that does mean, though, is our overloads can come out wide. So what will be really interesting for us to see, for those of you that that go or are able to watch it, um, will be how we kind of cope with their back three and what our wide players do. So it's interesting that Ian Everett um, mentioned, compared us to Man City. And what I'm wondering is how that compares to maybe our front three, because Man City's front three stay wide. So they have a, a central striker and two very wide attacking Uh, wingers they don't kind of cut inside whereas under Appleton last season what you noticed a lot was our wingers weren't ever really playing on the wing They were took in those kind of 10 positions so if we keep our wing backs wide our our wingers wide um, one of two things will happen either um, their wide centre backs will go across wide and that will create space for our attacking midfielders or what's probably likely going to happen is their wing backs are going to have to play deeper Um, So that's one thing that happened, which means there's going to be a lot of pressure on our our two eights to kind of be those attacking players, or again, on Sean Rowell and TJ Omer to provide attacking outlets and create an overload. So out wide is going to be really, really interesting for us because I think one thing we'll probably expect to see on Saturday will be whoever plays up front, whether that be Tom Hopper or Burnhouse, at times may end up looking a bit um, isolated. Um, And I think that's just the way that we're going to have to set up um, interesting interesting so yeah 50-50 battles man for man battles in the middle of the pitch is going to be massive um, if we can come out on top of that and we can attack quickly we'll be okay um, but they're, just their formation um, does concern me a little bit if I'm completely honest but every formation has a weakness every system has a weakness and if we can exploit that we should be our wide players and our wing backs kind of getting forwards we could get something. We could nick something. I hope you're right. I really do. It, <laughs> it seemed to be... No, I mean,
0: it did seem to be that we we struggled against three at the back um, yeah. last season and the season before, um, you know, under Appleton. And it was... I, I distinctly remember, I think it was Harry Anderson, was was always... have He always seemed to have a problem when we, when we played a team with three at the back. Um, so, yeah, I... It's interesting to you say that you know they have exclusively play with with three at the back. So it's just whether we can, uh, yeah, exploit the, the potential gaps that wingbacks might leave if we can break them, uh, hit them on the break yeah, quickly enough.
3: That's it. I think um, I hope we have our wingers high. I hope we don't tuck them in. Um, just in terms of my own preference of how football's played, and in terms of playing against the three. Um, so last season, when when Appleton was in charge, not to criticise our style, because it was very attractive and it worked well when it worked. Um, but when, let's imagine we had Scully on one side and Whitaker on the other. And when we had the ball, they were both quite narrow with the expectation mm. that our full backs got wide and gave us the width. And that's where that kind of overload came from. If you do that against the back three, when they've got man for man in the centre of the pitch... Um, you're losing your spare man if we lose the ball in the middle of the pitch. You're losing mm. that left and right back that can tuck in and create your overload defensively. So I really hope we keep our wingers high. Um, and then we, we try and put a lot of pressure really on our two central midfielders to kind of break the lines, get forward. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Tash and Oakley Booth and Max Sanders or whoever plays in those two eight roles to actually be quite a threat there. Maybe have a few shots and maybe create a few chances for us rather than our wingers create anything specifically or... It come from a full-back. I imagine it'll be those two centre midfielders that will get on the end of stuff rather than hmm. create, rather than create stuff. But let's see. My prediction would be best case scenario a point. If I'm completely honest with you, but you, you know, you never know.
0: No, I mean, it's yeah. Hopefully, we can uh, you know carry on the form and and um, and everything from the from the league games at least because uh, it didn't That's sound it. like Mark was particularly happy last Tuesday night. So
3: no. Um, but one- one point that you mentioned, sorry to, to, to put in, um, was how much better we were after having time on the training pitch. Yes. So hopefully that's a real positive for us. I'll be honest, I didn't enjoy not having football on a Saturday. No. It meant that um, I ended up going to Gary's for a poor night and I lost every single match I played, including the doubles games. I'd almost oh wow. prefer to, to watch Lincoln and not have to <laughs> suffer that injustice and never live that down. Um, so, yeah, but the time with the training pitch... Um, Hopefully that you know we can we can make that count.
0: Yeah, uh, so I also have a uh, I have a zero percent win record at uh, on Gary's pool table. So yeah, not the best. Um I have only played one game though. So uh, oh,
3: it's, it's, yeah, I, I haven't even got that excuse. I, I I have won a few. Uh, I actually won his part. I was the pool champion on his on his summer party, primarily because most people lost interest after the first game, and I just kept playing. <laughs> um, but I'll claim it. But yeah, I lost every single game. I should have played 10 games, lost to every single one.
0: Oh, dear. What did you say, Jake? Because I think you I cut said out out,
3: I said I've never been invited, so... Oh,
0: well,
4: you
0: know, Gary. That's awkward, isn't it? Who are you, <laughs> I'm sure 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 you'll be allowed once you turn 18 and you can have a legal drink, you'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) So uh, cool, well I mean I did say it would potentially be a bit shorter this week we're at about 43 minutes probably potentially pushing a little bit more with the the preview but ultimately there hasn't really been a lot of of info um, coming out of the club over the past week or so and you know, without a game, I think the only thing really left to, to do is to uh, to do what Gaz would normally do and, and plug the 10K again. Um, if, you know, if people have got um, anything spare, obviously, at the minute, it's it's not the easiest with pretty much every bloody thing rising in cost. Um, but uh, if there's any chance, you know, even if you can just share the links that, that Gaz has put out and raise a bit more awareness and uh, hopefully, you know, raise a little bit more money, um for uh you know, Gaz is obviously running for running for mental health is his uh is, is the the slogan that he's got for it. So yeah, would be much appreciated. And as we said earlier, make sure you do search out that petition link for the uh the fan led review to at least be discussed in parliament and uh try and get it so that it doesn't get scrapped because um yeah, it could have some serious financial implications for the club. Uh in just over a year's time or yeah, year and a half s time. So, but I think that is probably going to do us for the week. Um, first ever three-way pod with, with Chris. How, how was it for you?
3: I had a great time. Thank you.
0: Did the earth move? (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, i can't say it did
0: okay uh, not near a fracking zone then and uh, i would say
3: <laughs> oh let's not go to because uh, if you talk <laughs> political it just it just pisses me off yeah I didn't, I, to, know. I didn't used to pay any attention to politics now it's impossible not to yep. and it's just infuriating in it yeah so blissful ignorance might be the best way forward apart from the fun led review of course
0: yes uh, that's the bit you need to take a uh, take a uh, take an effort on that's awful english that's awful english uh, no, thank you, Chris, for for jumping in and uh, and and bringing that one up. And uh, thank you to Jake, who for those of you, well, nobody can see it, but he, he looks very grumpy at the minute. Bless him. He sat in his hoodie with his arms folded. I want
4: my tea. I'm starving. I want my tea. I want my tea. It's really half past six.
3: seven o'clock. Ben, it's tea time. So Tell you what's that's... great. I normally cook, but right now my other half is cooking. So, Aww. and that's, that's the last two times I've been on the podcast. Mother half's cooked and she's happy to cook. I just normally do it, but it is a novelty to know that I'm going to turn this off in a second. And my dinner's ready. That just doesn't happen normally. Is, no, I'm I so see. looking forward to it. Good for you. Good Thank job. you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jake's got to find his phone. He's got to open the Just Eat app. He's got to find what he wants. <laughs> order it from Mackey's. You already know <clears> that.
4: So don't, don't. No, yeah. I've got a perfectly seasoned steak waiting for me in my fridge. So, swivel on that, mate. Yeah, have your carrot bag and eat it. Yeah, carrot bag.
0: Ah, oh, dear. Right, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that there because uh, I don't want to. I don't want this to devolve further into madness, as it <laughs> tends to do. Uh, although Gaz isn't here, so that helps. Um, but we'll see you uh, next week. I'm not sure who it will be next week, but uh, somebody will see you. And until then, get subscribed, tell a friend, and uh, up the imps! Up the imps!
2: So, 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go.